Hey guys, I'm here with my friend James Henson and former coach. Uh, James, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, yeah, my name is James Henson. I, I live here in Lubbock, Texas with you. And, uh, you know, these days I'm a life coach. Uh, I write, I have a newsletter, a paid newsletter that people, that people subscribe to. And uh, I teach some classes on meditation, some classes on anxiety. I was a therapist for about 10 years. And before that, I was a adjunct professor at uh, universities and a social worker. So I think for the last 20 years, I've, I've worked with people for about 20 years now. And yeah, you've had a lot of experience, been through a lot of different things. So it's always cool to hear your, uh, yeah. your past journey. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely been a journey for sure. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, yeah, so James was the first person I ever went to to, to get professional help. And um, he uh, taught me meditation, which was um, huge for my mental health and um, also part of my spiritual journey. So today we're going to talk about meditation, mindfulness. Um, so uh, do you want to kind of go into what is meditation and mindfulness? You know, I think at, at its core, meditation is is a training of attention and awareness. If you, I think that most of us don't notice because we don't pay attention to our mind. We think we are our mind. But when you really start to pay attention to it, you notice how your mind is constantly jumping from thing to thing to thing. And this seems to be getting worse and worse these days as attention spans are diminishing uh, because of how we spend our time and what we put our attention on. So meditation is really training the mind how to stay on one thing for extended periods of times. It can be the breath. It can be counting. It can be a candle. It can be sounds, you know, just listening to the sounds around you. And you know, there's there's different ways to do it. I think when we think of meditation, what we're often thinking of is like formal meditation. Mm. A person, you know, sitting with a certain posture for a certain amount of time, things like that. And I'm I'm a big advocate of that. That that was so instrumental in changing my life. And then mindfulness. So mindfulness and meditation are often you know used interchangeably, mm -hmm. but they're not. They shouldn't be. Uh, meditation is the bigger umbrella. Mindfulness is a type of meditation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's the one that I invested the most in. And mindfulness is um, awareness of the present moment. And what I like to add with that is that, you know, you have to have a form of acceptance with that non-judgmental awareness. And and for me, I think that there needs to be an element of friendly curiosity. That's the, that's the big thing to me is the friendly curiosity. So the non-judgmental awareness, if you notice the mind is constantly judging everything around us. Yeah, I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. And then we want more of what we like and we want to chase it. We want to reject what we don't like. And then we, we don't necessarily notice this, but a whole lot of stuff in our awareness gets put into a neutral bucket or an uninteresting bucket or a bucket of, I just don't care about that. Mm. So there's things we're missing out on all the time that, that are going on around us. Mindfulness is about cultivating a state of being where you're not in that constant flow of, you know, like, dislike, like, dislike, mm -hmm. positive, negative, good, bad, and just simply learning to be with things as they are. Mm. And I think that the, the friendly curiosity element helps a lot because instead of judging, you are leaning into everything and kind of seeing like, ooh, let's see what happens here. And so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right. So... Yeah, it seems like whenever we can be mindful and have that non-judgment, um, that allows us to see a situation more clearly and kind of um, 
because we all have you know biases and we all have preconceived ideas of what things are and so we bring those to whatever situation we're in so when we're in a new situation we can um be quick to judge what that is and or reject it you know and so that non-judgmental awareness helps us to really see it more clearly and see what it actually is and, and come to a better understanding or better um uh better decision making on what to do in this particular situation or see someone um for who for who they are more than um what we might judge them to be off of first um first glance yeah absolutely uh, it's really kind of shocking when you first realize how much how, how much time you spend making judgments about things you know we rarely deal with other people as they are, situations as they are. And to some extent, we can't deal with them as they are. We're, we're a conceptual species. We put everything mm-hmm. into, the term, into terms of concepts. But the more that we can get underneath those, the, the more that we find that everything is really okay. It's um, it most, uh, like, like 99% of all the situations we encounter are neutral. Mm-hmm. They may be inconvenient to what we wanted, um, but our mind wants to categorize them as wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm driving, I get a flat tire. My mind wants to say, "Oh, this sucks. This is, you know, this is uh, this is unacceptable. I just bought this tire, uh, you know." And then I get out and I find out I've got a screw in it, and my mind says, "Oh my God, why can't the city do a better job of sweeping the streets?" Or, you know, why don't people pick up after themselves? When really, tires going flat is the natural state of the universe. You have to keep airing them up to keep airing them. It's doing what it would naturally do. Uh, things screws falling off of trucks and embedding them it's it's the way the world works and before we start investing in mindfulness we we find ourselves living in opposition to reality all the time all the time and over the years as you know as this has been my practice and this is just kind of gotten to be where it saturates my life i find that i don't have as many opinions on things mm. i don't have as many frustrations with things you know, red lights, red lights, we call them red lights for a reason. They turn red and we stop. They, that, that's what allows traffic to flow without wrecks all over the place. Yet, when I hit a red light, my mind wants to say, this is not okay. Especially mm-hmm. if I was not mindful before I left and I'm running late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a line at the grocery store. Uh, of course there's lines. That's Everybody's going to one spot. Uh, when you get there, it takes a certain amount of time to take care of that task. Of course, people are going to bottleneck there. And it's not, it's not inherently unpleasant in itself you're not in pain nobody's beating you up you're just you're in an air-conditioned building surrounded by generally by people who are not doing anything mean to you what's the problem well i want to be somewhere else i want to be headed home i just i I just got done working all day and i'm tired and i shouldn't have to stand in this line and so mindfulness and meditation too just really brings forward the the stories that our mind is telling all the time Mm. and they're unfortunately they're they're rarely helpful stories um, because we have a negativity bias as a species. Hmm. If you're in a room with a thousand people and one of them wants to kill you, you're going to think about that one person because <laughs> the other 999 ain't a problem. Mm-hmm. If you are in a, a beautiful room where everything's nice and the, the, it's a good temperature and you're on a comfortable chair, but there's a fly buzzing around, you're going to notice the fly because your mind doesn't have to notice all the things that are going well. Those things are not a threat. They're going to take care of themselves. And so... I think that mindfulness and meditation is a really helpful way to kind of plant a flag on the other side of the equation 
of saying, yeah, a lot more is going right than going wrong. And, and I can accept the things. I can tolerate. I can lean into the things that I'm not happy about. I can explore them with a friendly curiosity and see what happens. Mm. Yeah, that's great. So I think that you can be, you can, you can practice mindfulness without meditating, but you can't meditate without then having at least some uh, mindfulness throughout the day. So do you want to kind of talk about, does that make sense to you or? Yeah, it does. It does. I'm trying to, I'm trying, so you can, you can practice mindfulness without meditating. And that's true. Those would be called informal mindfulness practices. And that's what you see that like is usually sold to you on like Instagram or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, little little tips and tricks to be more mindful. Nothing wrong with those. But what I tell people is that, like, if a person's really serious about getting in shape, uh, they tend to go to the gym. Maybe they get a trainer. It, they kind of change their lifestyle. They have a formal practice right. of getting in shape. Then there's the, I'm going to park a little bit farther out at the store. I'll take the stairs instead of the elevator. You know, that's a more informal way of, of maybe getting in shape or losing weight or something. The, the first one's going to be a lot more effective. And so I always encourage everybody to, especially at the beginning, have a formal practice where you pick a time, you pick a place, um, you pick a certain length of time that you're going to learn to actually sit and mm-hmm. meditate. Mm-hmm. That's where I see people have a real change in their behavior, a change mm-hmm. in the way they do things. The The informal practices are great, you know. Go for a mindful walk, you know, no headphones, just, you know, notice your steps, notice the temperature, notice the sounds, uh, sit in the park and, you know, just be there. Mm. That's awesome. I think that's good and that's helpful. I don't think that would have changed my life mm. the way meditation did if it hadn't been a dedicated formal practice mm. for a very long time. Right. And so, yeah, but, but, you know, you can't really be mindful without meditation because the mind will not stay in the present. It's going to jump all over the place before you know it. You know, you're at the park and you're you're enjoying. You know, you just notice the weather, you notice the temperature, you notice the sound of the bugs. But then somebody let their dog poop on the grass and didn't pick it up, and your mind's moving into judgment, or you hear a horn honk, or or your mind just says, "Oh my gosh, when we get back to the house, I need to do this, this, and this." Mm-hmm. Um, so the two go hand in hand. I right. think the two go hand in hand. And for me, like even when I've taught meditation, we've always had both. We'd start with mindfulness, have a time of concentration meditation, and end with mindfulness. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's great. I totally agree. Um, and so I think um, you know you talked about thoughts, so we're not our thoughts. I think obviously too. I think goes along with that is emotions. So we can also examine our emotions, and we're not our emotions, and um, but we're the awareness behind these things. Um, and I also think that um, meditation mindfulness really helps us with with freedom, which is, you know, we kind of touched on it, but it's giving space between our um, reactions and allowing us to um, take more control over our impulses, our reactions, our patterns, habits. Oh, every, every, every talk I've ever given on this, and I've given a, <laughs> a, a bunch at this point, I start with a quote from Viktor Frankl, um, between stimulus and response, there is a space, and oh, right. in that space is our power to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- that's that's what was so important for me about it, was, you know, before, I and I didn't know anything, I didn't even know what meditation was, I'd never heard of it, I stumbled into it. And this idea that I am not my thoughts, I am not my emotions, I can choose my response to those things was, I, I, I don't know, I don't think I could exaggerate 
how important that was. Before that, I was just a creature of, uh, of stimulus and response. I wanted to do something. I did it. I didn't want to do something. I didn't do it. It led me to all sorts of trouble over the course of my life. All sorts. I was a nightmare of a human being when I started really looking at this stuff. And I initially got into it because I wanted to be detached from my emotions. I wanted to be detached from my thoughts. I wanted to be this, you know, this hovering godlike mm-hmm. Zen Buddhist, you know. But what I found was that it actually gets you into closer touch with them. Mm. So the first few times I got into meditation were brutal because right. I'd spent I'd spent years and um, a lot of a lot of time and a lot of substances trying to avoid them. But once you once you get in touch with them you start to recognize a few things like thoughts come and go these like all these thoughts that we take so seriously 99% of them are absolutely ridiculous and unnecessary you know they're they're narrating your day you know walking around like i wonder where my keys are and oh there they are who who am i telling i see them they're right there um wishing something was different you know imagining it's 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 a ridiculous way to live and then our emotions just drive us to so many behaviors. Mm-hmm. And when you have a little bit of space between those things, it's not about repressing them. It's not about ignoring them. But it is about choosing your response to them. And the really interesting thing you notice with emotions is that, number one, they're, they're, they're rising and falling all the time. Right. <laughs> you know, I'll be sitting there in meditation and, you know, it would be like 4.30 in the morning. Nothing's happened yet. And I notice like fear and then anger and then anxiety and then happiness. And it, it, nothing's going on around me to spark these things. It's almost like my body or my mind mm-hmm. is throwing something out there trying to get my attention. Mm. And when you don't feed those emotions with thoughts, they come and go very quickly. Mm-hmm. That was super important to me because I could be, I could literally take a small slight against me and hold on to it for years. Mm. I could nurse, like I could nurse one, one emotion, you know, one, one angry thing for years. And, and I made major decisions on it. I cut off entire friend groups. I, uh, it, it was never helpful, but I never thought any different because I was like, well, I'm angry. This is what, and this is the truth with a capital T. And so finding that space that you mentioned, yeah, that was huge. That was huge. Um, it didn't work out the way I wanted where I was going to be all detached from it. I'm right. much more in touch with my emotions these days. And, and I'm grateful for that mm-hmm. because it's it's made everything better for me. Mm-hmm. Right. I think one thing that it also does, one particular way of meditating that I love is body scanning. And, mm-hmm. and so it helps getting in touch with our bodies, um, which, you know, our bodies um, feed our emotions and, and our thoughts as well. And so we can start to tie in like oh i have this tension here and then i can fill into that and be like oh that's tied to an emotion and which is tied to uh, generating thoughts and so um i think it just helps you be more holistic with your your body your your mind and your emotions yeah you know when i first started i was very disconnected from my body i think Uh, i really i wanted i wanted to be i wanted everything to be all spiritual so when I started reading, you know, my, my initial course in all of this was Zen Buddhism. And so when I read about, oh, the, you know, they'd say, oh, the posture matters, mm-hmm. you know, the body matters. I was like, ew, I don't like that, right. you know. Um, I just wanted to be all spiritual. And, but what I really wanted to do was escape being human. <laughs> I, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to deal with all this just messy stuff of being a person. Right. 
And they went the opposite and it brought me back in. But yeah, with your body, I, I tell people like, if you're feeling a certain way, notice like, like just notice your jaw, notice your shoulder, your shoulders, mm-hmm. notice your breath, notice like, where are you carrying tension? And when you can release that, it, it's, it's, it's super helpful. It's super helpful. But I think we discount the role of the body and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting kind of getting more into Eastern, like Hinduism, Buddhism, and, 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 and that a lot of that is, uh, it's less of religions in a way. And it's more of like a way of, of living and that, um, learning that they spent hundreds of years, uh, meditating and feeling into the body and, and learning these, these scientific things about, about the body and about the posture and all these things that, that we now know scientifically, but they just knew from feeling into it intuitively themselves. And, and so we're starting to incorporate into the West these Eastern practices. And we have tons of studies on the the benefits to meditation and mindfulness. Oh, gosh, so, so many. Yeah, it's a, I see a new study every week, it feels like. so. And I see it's becoming mainstream. Now. Right. It's, uh, you know, when I first started teaching this, you know, out here where we are, there was a lot of resistance mm-hmm. to it. There was... Um, uh, had all these connotations of like new age mysticism and which I don't even know what that means. You know, like how do you quantify that? But as people like take the practice into their lives in a real way, they just, start, they see benefit to it and you don't have to believe anything to do it. You don't have to believe in, 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 in Buddhism or mm-hmm. Hinduism or Christianity or anything to meditate. It's, it's a matter of, taking a few moments to just sit and be with this experience of being a human. Like there's no philosophy or ideology to mm-hmm. that. Noticing what am I feeling right now? You know, what are my thoughts about that? What are my feelings about that? What's it like to just feel it without this filter of the mind? Uh, you know, the mind wants to tell us about our experience all the time. Like you're not experiencing it. it it's, it's, you know, those, like they're the worst people in the world. Um, that's hyperbolic, but they're terrible people <laughs> uh-huh. who they want to watch a movie. They want you to watch a movie. They love a movie. Mm-hmm. And then they sit there and tell you about it all the time. <laughs> it, that's what the mind does. Mm-hmm. Like those people drive us up the wall, but we tolerate it from the mind for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it's because we think we are the mind, right? but you are not your thoughts. You know, I, I do all the time. I tell people right now, don't think of a basketball. But there you go. You're thinking of one. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying not to think of a basketball, you're conceptualizing it through its opposite. It's just this reflection of reality all the time, and we somehow take it super seriously. And we let our thoughts tell us what other people are thinking. We let our thoughts tell us why somebody did something. You know, every time, if I send a text to somebody and they don't reply, my mind starts a whole story about, you know, why they're not replying. And that's awful because you know that I'm the worst text (laughs) responder on the planet, so I do it to people all the time, Mm -hmm. but then my mind makes this whole story Mm -hmm. about it. It's... It's a ridiculous way to live. We've got this, this, just this obsessive tyrant in our head. And the only reason it gets away with its behavior is because we have mistakenly taken it to be us. Mm-hmm. And, and ask anybody, ask everybody around you, what do you mean by me? What do you mean by I? They can't tell you. Right. They can't tell you. Yet we let this thing run the show. Mm-hmm. So I think meditation is just kind of a way of getting under and behind all that where you can observe it. And, right. and one of the best byproducts of it is you, you, you become unable to take yourself very seriously. Mm. I took myself very, very seriously when I was younger. Um, I just completely self-absorbed. Main character syndrome, they call it now. Oh, my God. I had that before anybody, before the Internet had diagnosed <laughs> it as a thing. 
how often I laugh at myself now and I laugh at the demands I have and the, you know, watch my brain just throw these things out. You know, who do they think they are? Oh my God, it's, it's hilarious. It makes all this so much easier when you realize that these things are popping in and out of existence inside of you and you're letting them run the show. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a much easier way to live. I've tried multiple ways of living <laughs> and not taking yourself so seriously is one of the better ones I've found. Yeah. Um, obviously, when we can um, slow down and realize we're not our thoughts and our emotions, that it helps give elasticity to um, to our beliefs and, and understanding. And and so realize, you know, maybe we don't have it all together. Maybe we don't know everything. And maybe um, we can consider other people's perspectives and um, beliefs more. And so that's that's the, the path of growth um, and seeing things more complex complexly and um being okay with uh paradox and mystery and i think that may be more important now than it's ever been in human history because this is the first time in our existence as a species that we are able to cultivate our perception of the world our perception of other people inside an echo chamber Mm. you can um no matter what you believe you can go on Reddit or somewhere and you can find a group that tells you you're exactly right. And in that, they're also going to tell you what other groups are wrong. Mm-hmm. That, that cognitive flexibility, I'm seeing it decline in people where I meet people who will tell me like broad things about certain groups. And when I'll ask them like, well, who do you know? You know, who, who, who in this group treated you so poorly? They don't know anybody. Mm. They don't know a Christian or a transgender person or a whatever group they're so terrified of. They don't know anybody from that group. And so that cognitive flexibility is just being worn down by the echo chambers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on Facebook and 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 you know it tracks you all over the internet, it's gonna bring you stuff that supports the view you already have. You go on Reddit and you only subscribe to subreddits that 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 align with mm-hmm. what you what you think right. of the world. I don't know that we've ever been able to do that in human history it it seems really dangerous to me meditation is a way of meditation and mindfulness is a way of being able to maybe step back and say wait where where am i getting this story Mm -hmm. from why why do i feel this way about this group Mm -hmm. and when you track that down when you trace it back you realize a lot of it's being fed to us through through different different outlets yeah well i I totally agree with you but um also you know this is a new age of um, information and, and the, we're becoming aware of so many different groups and so many different belief systems and ways of living and all that. And so we're having to get used to that and what that means. And Absolutely. obviously that's what leads to what you're saying. These, oh, I need to get inside my my group and, and reinforce my beliefs because this is threatening, this is scary, this is overwhelming. And so meditation mindfulness helps us um, deal with that better <laughs> and and... Yeah. It, it'll help with the flexibility that you need to deal with that, but it'll also help you deal with the physiological effects of that, right. of anxiety, of, yeah, of just recognizing, oh, oh my gosh, I'm in fight or flight right now. This is a system in my body that was meant to shut down rational thought so that I would act quickly and stay alive. You know, a big part of the problem these days is that we're trying to deal with, you know, social and political issues with the same system, with a system that was designed mm. to help us deal with wolves. You know, immediate threats right in front of us when most of us rarely face immediate threats anymore. Our threats are all future oriented. They're existential. They're philosophical. You know, those groups that we were talking about when I asked people like, what scares you so much about them? Mm. 
it's just what they could impose or what their ideas mm. could mean. It's not, it's not, it's way different than seeing a wolf in right. the woods and your brain running through the list of, okay, do I, do I flee? Do I fight? Do I freeze? And at the end of that, at the, it went, the encounter with the wolf or the bear or whatever, you ran and you escaped. You've kind of processed out all the, all the stress. You fight and you survive. You process, you process out all the stress. But at the end of it, it was over. It was over. The threat was gone. The threats never leave anymore. Mm-hmm. They're always there. And there's a, there's a massive industry that makes billions and billions of dollars off of keeping us under threat. Right. And so being able to recognize that and I think have compassion for others, have compassion for ourselves, mm-hmm. that's the toughest conversation over all my years. Social work, therapy, uh, mentoring, all the stuff. The hardest conversation for people in the West, I think, is self-compassion. Mm. How would you... How would you treat yourself if you if you treated yourself like the person you love the most? Mm-hmm. It has been a it's been amazing to me to see how hard that is for people. Right. The most angry people I've ever gotten at me, shouting at me, throwing things at me, um, storming out, have been with the suggestion, maybe be kinder to yourself. Mm-hmm. It is such a hard concept for us, but in meditation you have to learn that because it's all these pictures we get you know people picture meditation it's always some it's some woman in yoga gear on the beach and she looks all peaceful (laughs) sometimes meditation is brutally hard Mm -hmm. especially when you're first leaning into those tough emotions Um, i started hanging out with the buddhists here in town for no other reason than i couldn't sit by myself for more than 25 or 30 (laughs) seconds Mm -hmm. when i went to sit with them i knew that my ego wouldn't let me walk out in front of a bunch (laughs) of people so i leveraged my ego against my fear of my emotions and that's how i really learned to sit for long periods it's a really, really hard thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that that's one of the big misconceptions about it, I think, is that you're going to sit down and be peaceful automatically. Right, yeah. And I would just tell the audience, you know, if, if meditation is new uh, for you, um, just approach it like uh, like the gym in a healthy way in that it's it's a muscle you have to build. You know, Absolutely. Don't, don't go out and just lift as heavy as you can and you're going to burn yourself out real quick. So meditation, I would say, like start out five minutes a day, something like that and then build it up over time. That's exactly what I recommend. Uh, the number of people who I've worked with who you know I've taught it, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm going to do it for two hours every day. And I would always tell them, like, don't do that. <laughs> that that's going to overwhelm you no more than five minutes. And I always tell people, don't go over 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, stop at 20 minutes. And there's people who get real serious about it and want to sit for hours, and that's cool. That's, that's, that's kind of a, a, its own path. Mm-hmm. But when I, for the students I had and for the groups I had, we maxed out at 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's plenty. That changes your brain. That changes mm-hmm. your perception. But I think as Americans, we kind of want to go like, right. we want to go to the extreme yeah, on everything. Yeah, it's kind of an ego trip. To, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Ram Dass said, you know, enlightenment's the, the biggest ego trip. <laughs> and so that's what you got to be careful of is that meditation doesn't just feed the things mm-hmm. that you're actually trying to get a little distance from. Right. Oh, and to uh, talking about group, um, you know, there's definitely power in uh, in group meditation um, where oh two gosh, or three are gathered, yeah. you know, the I do feel more more focused, more energy, more yeah, power in that. It, it's, it's great. I was so resistant to stuff like that when I first started all this because, like, oh, that sounds like that sounds like hippie hippie nonsense. Holy crap, that is so true. Uh, meditating in a group, it's just there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's uh, one of the, one of the things I, I, I still I don't struggle with it, but 
it hasn't really recovered since COVID is groups. Mm-hmm. You know, even the groups I've taught and stuff, I think I think you were part of one that right. we had we had fourteen the day before and it dropped down to two, mm-hmm. if I remember right. And so that that group aspect's missing. But, you know, the group we had downtown here for a long time, mm-hmm. like that was really cool. By mm-hmm. the end, you know, we would all sit for, you know, twenty but sometimes more than twenty minutes. And with the people there is an energy you feed off of. I don't know how to quantify it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it, but it's very obviously there. And Mm -hmm. anybody who's, who's in this field will tell you the same, I think. Yeah. I think that's a good segue into the next part that, you know, obviously you can use meditation just for the physical, mental, emotional benefits. But I I do think it can be a very spiritual thing. Um, I always like referring to the, to the verse, be still, know that I'm God. And just thinking that, you know, and if you're having conversations with someone, you know, it's uh, I'm talking, then you're talking and we're, we're feeding off each other. And so if you're having conversation with God, if you're doing all the talking, right. how are you hearing from God? Right. <laughs> Meditation is more of a listening, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's that's a weird shift for me, because when I started this whole thing, like the whole reason I got my. I got certified as a mindfulness and meditation instructor. The whole reason I did that was because there was nowhere else in town that was teaching it from a purely secular scientific point of view, mm-hmm. a pure mental health point of view. That's how I've always built it. Is mm-hmm. you know that's that's been my niche in it. Right. You know, but you know, here over the past few years, as my beliefs have changed and shifted, I the the spiritual aspect of it is more and more important to me. The listening in that. You know, I think what some people would call an inner intuition, you mm-hmm. know, I now call God. Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that quieting the mind is so important. And that's the other thing I think that is unique about our time period. We've never had this many distractions. Right. Now, I'm only 44, and I already feel old in so many ways just because of how the fabric of the world has changed, mm-hmm. how the basics of society how we interact, all that is so different. And I think that makes it more important than ever to find ways to quiet your mind and to not be so engaged with, like there's no chance for boredom anymore. Mm-hmm. There's not, it's actually something that concerns me is that like a lot of my best ideas That's and- where creativity comes from. Absolutely, and, and nobody's ever bored anymore. I, I love going on long car rides by myself driving somewhere because I usually don't listen to anything at all for probably two or three hours out yeah. of it. And that's where like all my best ideas come from. Barbara always laughs because I come back from a trip and I'm like, I've got 15 new projects <laughs> that I came up mm-hmm. with. That that being able to be still and know that I am God, you know, just hush, mm-hmm. hush and see what comes up is harder and harder these days Mm -hmm. because you've got so many really like good distractions not good in the sense of like good but like really effective distractions you know i wonder oh what's on facebook what's on instagram oh i better go check my the video the game i play on instant gratification Mm -hmm. and and they're it's almost addictive yeah actually i I was padding my words there it is addictive (laughs) i think we're seeing it in young people especially and meditation is the that that's the opposite of that it's simply sitting and doing nothing you know, just being, mm-hmm. and it's such a counterintuitive thing mm-hmm. for so many people these days. Yeah, and, and along with that, it's um, it's a uh, stress or pain uh, tolerance, endurance, um, working through that, and uh, boredom is part of that. And, and so, when you can get instant gratification, it's like anytime there's 
something wrong in life or you 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 feel any kind of negativity it's like oh automatically find the instant gratification i mean i fall into it all the time so right uh, yeah it's it's tough i know when i deleted you know i had i was really active on instagram mm-hmm. and um on there every day interacting with people doing all that when i quit even though i didn't like it i didn't enjoy it I had like a withdrawal <laughs> when I went through it, and I've 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 withdrawn off some very hard things in my life. Right. It wasn't as bad, but mm-hmm. it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's so interesting to watch that, and you know I keep my phone I keep my phone locked down where I uh, um, I don't have apps on it. I use it to text and and call, and I don't do either one of those very well. But I will notice that. When I, I notice that there's times where I'm like, you feel drawn to it. You feel drawn like you just, I want to go see what's happening. What's on the news? What's on Facebook? What's what's the next thing that I can learn? And that's always times like when I notice that going on in myself, if I stop and pay attention, oh, I'm stressed out about something. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. I'm mm-hmm. hungry. I'm angry. I'm lonely. All the, the halt thing that, right. you know, that, that everybody knows. Um, and that stuff keeps us in the in the mind and, and out of our body. Absolutely. Yeah. And in a state of a state of comparing. Right. In a state of judgment, you know, that's, uh, you're scrolling through Instagram and, oh, well, they got to go on vacation and, oh, they got a new car and, oh, they're so physically fit. Oh, that dude's way better looking than me. It's that constant comparing mind. Mm. And I think that's pretty destructive to us. Right. I think it's probably fatal for kids, mm-hmm. teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's meditation is a completely counterintuitive different way of doing things mindfulness is counterintuitive and a different way of doing things in a world that's constantly telling us you 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 like what what do you think of this we mm-hmm. want your opinion oh do you like it click this button mm-hmm. do you want to comment comment your opinion yeah. non-stop <laughs> instead of uh why why do i care what i think about this mm-hmm. i said to myself all the time you know uh, i read about you know the threat of ai why have an opinion on that that is so far above my pay grade like like people like Elon Musk can't do anything about it. Like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, the weather. Why, why do I have an opinion on this? It's it's ridiculous. But this online machine is constantly. Hey, what's your opinion? Tell us about it. Share it. I bet people mm-hmm. will click like. I bet people will validate it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if they don't validate it and they argue with you, then you have to reinforce your own opinion by mm-hmm. arguing with them. So it's it's a very counterintuitive, countercultural practice. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because it's growing and more and more people are doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to defend myself here because I got an episode coming up about AI. So, okay. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. And yeah. that, um, you know, it's like, why, why should I form a, like a hard belief about something and, and be dogmatic about it? Um, right. And, and, and also, too, like, there's so many distractions, like, what do we focus on? So I, I think it's good in like helping us, you know, uh, meditation, mindfulness, like what, what do I need to focus on? What is most important? Um, yeah. Right. Well, even like with AI, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the notice like the, the, the dominant thing you're hearing in the news is the threat of it. What it's, these are the ways that AI is going to ruin the world, but we're all using chat GPG, right. you know, like literally in that article, you could see an ad for chat GPT and click on it. Mm-hmm. It's that that constant opinion making but it's almost always fear-based because that's so easy because of the mind's right. negativity bias right it's so much walk up to somebody and you know walk up to a group of people and try to get them to engage in conversation about something good versus walk up and say something ugly about somebody mm-hmm. oh my gosh everybody piles on that they love it 
that's just how we're wired. Mm -hmm. But we have to, I think that we have to push against that. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny to me because I I do hear people all the time talking about the threat of AI and all that. But ChatGPT is probably one of the more popular things on the internet now mm-hmm. like we're if we're all so terrified of it why are we training it <laughs> right. you know like we're we're, right. we're giving it on the job training every single uh-huh. day it's 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 that it's that contradiction mm-hmm. inside of us but that they're exploiting the fear side mm-hmm. that's what gets you to click on things that's mm-hmm. what you see an article about you know uh you know 10 wonderful things ai is doing in the world you might skim through it but if there's an article 10 ways ai is going to kill your children tomorrow <laughs> that's going to get more clicks. Mm-hmm. It's the way it mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the, it's that attention economy that they're right. all fighting for a spot in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of attention, um, <laughs> going back to med- meditation, mindfulness. Um, I think, you know, we were talking a lot about how it's a discipline and how it's helpful, but I think it, it can be a part of the spiritual thing. It can be very, um, blissful and very, you can have very, uh, amazing spiritual, um, experiences. Um, I've had, yeah, feelings of bliss and energy in my body that I felt, and um, you know, I would I would say like love and joy, and just I feel like it's um, connecting with God and, and and who He is, and also with who I feel like my true self, my spirit, um, being a part of the spirit of God is, and and like the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely part of it, and that's what people are usually going and looking for. I think what's important to remember with that, though, is that it's just another mind state. Mm-hmm. It's You can't attach to it. Right. The second you try to cling to that or you make that your goal, you're going to, you're pretty much eliminating your opportunity to ever find that again. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, I wanted to achieve this that I've achieved before in my meditation. Then then you're not achieving because you're, you're, you're like, you're like striving for it, which is creating like tension and, and then you're not going to get in. So, I, I mean, I think the yeah. Buddhists and all that are, don't, don't, don't get attached to the experiences and the yeah. spectacular, but just, just the practice itself. But non-striving, um, you know, non-striving right. is a term. It's, it's, it's really about being able to be with whatever arises mm-hmm. without judgment. And now when we see, when, so when we say judgment, we often think of a negative connotation but what so we 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 conflate judgment and condemnation Mm. we're all making judgments all the time every Mm. time you come to a four-way stop you're making a judgment when you are at the store and you're trying to figure out how much you can buy on your budget that's a judgment we all need to judge judgment's very important but we what we probably need to avoid is the judgment with condemnation Mm -hmm. but in meditation we need to avoid judging something to be wonderful Mm -hmm. and then making that what we strive for Mm -hmm. because then it becomes just another fixation and you're chasing it all the time Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people i've worked with over the years you know the standard thing is you breathe in one breathe out two make it to ten start over i've had people who i've had to stick them at one two one two one two because they turned it into a competition with themselves i made it to ten four times in that meditation awesome that is not what this is about at all that is (laughs) not what we're doing you Uh know because then you're not with the moment Mm -hmm. you're with the next moment the next Mm -hmm. the next number up the ladder right and and i've seen people get really attached to those bliss states Mm -hmm. and the problem is that when you have that attachment Number one, it's going to make your normal everyday life. It's going to pale by comparison. Mm-hmm. It's going to it's going to start to suck, and then you're just you're becoming focused on something that's not there. You're not in the here and now anymore. You're waiting for that next mm. bliss state. Right. 
Um, and then let's say that you attain the bliss state and you've got it all day. There's part of your mind that's afraid, what happens when this leaves? Mm. And so you're not in the present anymore. Mm. It's the mind's job to jump to the future. It's the mind's job to think about the past sometimes. It's the mind job, the mind's job to scan for threats. But if we're not if we're not mindful of that, it does those things all the time. You know, I tell people it's like using a hammer for more than it's intended for. Mm-hmm. You know, the mind ha- the mind has a purpose. When if you use a hammer to put nails into the wall and pull them out cool, it's doing its job. If you use the hammer to turn off your television or wipe the windows on your car, you've got a problem. Mm. You know, it's a tool meant for something. The mind is not meant to be everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very, it's a very uh, 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 Western thing. You know, we prioritize intellect over everything right. else. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the mind will do. It'll turn meditation into a competition mm-hmm. if we're not careful. Right. But that's cool because it's just one more thing to notice, not judge, and come back to the moment mm-hmm. in. Yeah, that's all great. Um, I think you were telling me uh, earlier that uh, you've actually you do a lot more praying now and you don't do meditation. Do you kind of want to talk about that transition? And Yeah, so it was back in, I guess it was seven or eight months ago, uh, my thyroid went haywire. And it, it, it was, I've never felt a fear and a sense of ominousness mm. like this. Uh, I never felt anything like it. It was it was it was bizarre. Those mm-hmm. ten days, I tell people those ten days might have been the hardest of my life, and that's that's saying something because I've made a lot of bad decisions and had some hard times. <laughs> mm-hmm. But during that time, simply sitting and meditating, it wasn't working. Mm. You know, and that's it was kind of it was a really like it was a very uh, it, it changed so much for me. Because I learned that, oh my gosh, all these tools that I've used for so long, mm-hmm. there's a place where they don't work. Right. And that's this place of physiological where your hormones are going haywire, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't know it at the time. That first 10 days, I I am who I am, so I tried to gut it out and figure right. it out And you know, uh, before I finally talked to a doctor. What I arrived at during that time is that there are places in this life where the only thing you have is God. Mm. That's the only thing. And that shifted my practice to where a lot I do spend a lot more time um, praying, you know. And it's not asking for stuff. A lot of it's just thankful, mm. you know. Um, you know, thank you for just I'm thank you for all that. The, the fact that there's something instead of nothing is so amazing. And then the fact that we have a consciousness with which to experience that something, like what the hell. <laughs> like 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 that was gifted to us. Mm-hmm. Like none of us earned that. None right. of us none of us got it for ourselves. And then the fact that we have a say in how that consciousness interacts with it. Like when I think about that, it just it fills me with so much gratitude. Um, and so a lot of it's just expressing gratitude. It, the, I take very seriously like um, uh, rejoice. You know, uh, always, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah uh, um, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that that just happens to us. That's a call to action. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. this is the day the Lord has made. Those things have started to mean a lot to me. And I, it's so, I think a lot of my meditation practice these days is about I'm going to rejoice regardless of what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be thankful regardless of what's mm-hmm. happening. 
and I see the benefit of the years of meditation and mindfulness because, you know, the, the idea of practicing the presence of God. I'm able to have moments throughout the day where I can just stop mm-hmm. and be present and practice that presence and be aware of that presence. Being able to keep my mind on one thing, I'm able to redirect my mind back to, no, we're, we're going to be grateful. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel compelled to say, you know, I don't, this isn't some toxic positivity thing where I act like nothing is, mm-hmm. uh, nothing is wrong, everything's okay, it's all good, man. Like, I'm not that guy. You've known me, I'm not that guy. Right, yeah, um, not. <laughs> but in the midst of that, you know, my grandma died uh, mm. a week ago, somewhere like that. She was my favorite person in the world. She was the person who, um, the only person I've ever had in my life who thought, who, who told me, you're okay. Mm. Like, you, there's nothing wrong with you. The only person I've ever had that that made me feel that as a child. Mm. And that was a heartbreaking loss. It was mm. very hard. But I can still be thankful in the midst of it. Right. I can be with my sadness and be with my grief and still be thankful for things. So it's not a toxic positivity, pretending there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, my job is a, you know, as a coach, a lot of people come to me for, you know, to, to build something bigger, you know, to create these projects, to do these cool things, but there's always things going wrong along the way. Right. And then uh, most of the people who reach out to me for, you know, to come by for coffee and hang out, it's because something's gone wrong in their life. That's kind of my function. Right. And so I'm very aware of that. But we're allowed to find joy in the midst of that. Not happiness. Yeah. Happiness is contextual, but there can be a foundation of joy and peace. And so I think that's probably my meditation practice these days is just in being aware of those things and allowing them to be. Uh, the mindfulness is so helpful when I notice that I'm watching something that's making me feel worse or I'm investing my time and energy in something that is not beneficial to me, something that's not feeding the best parts of me. And I have to be real careful of that because mm-hmm. um, I can throw the best parts of me out pretty quickly when mm-hmm. I want to. So, yeah, yeah, it's a shift. It's yeah. definitely a shift, and it's one that was kind of uh, uh, visited upon me instead of a conscious choice I made for <laughs> right, sure. Right. So, yeah, I I think I had a did a gratefulness journal and every like uh, one thing a day um, in grad school, and I was in a very dark place. Um, yeah. And uh, that that was very beneficial, and uh, I did that, and I did meditation. So I, I think I think it's kind of like the the yin and the yang, the the receiving and then the the giving back. Um, Absolutely. And uh, yeah, retraining our, our mind to to focus more on the positive and um, to be thankful and, and and kind of give back. I guess you could say. So I I think that's a huge beneficial practice yeah it's probably more of like a spiritual discipline than just pure meditation right Um, and i say that because you know you know i taught this at lcu and you know we'd have a a medit you'd have a meditation class and at the end i'd ask people how was that and they say oh my gosh it was awesome i just thought about jesus and how much he loved me and i'm like okay that's awesome but that's (laughs) that's not meditation you were thinking you were just Uh thinking or Uh praying whatever you want to call it but um so i'm not comfortable calling it just meditation it's something different, yeah. But it's it's kind of mm-hmm. what my life has brought me, and that's something mm-hmm. that meditation has taught me: is to be flexible with what's and receptive to what's coming to me, instead of always like, "No, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. This is the way it's going to be." Right. And so I'm trying to be receptive to it, mm-hmm. and it's a tough one for me. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, I was an atheist for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a change, mm-hmm. and uh, there's fear that comes with it. You know, I've built a. 
I have a following and I have people who engage with the work I do because of the perspective I took mm. and I'm going to disappoint some of them. I'm going to make right. some of them mad. Some of them will leave. Mm -hmm. And so, but mindfulness and meditation have helped me realize, okay, cool. This is present. Uh, I have a fear of rejection. I have mm -hmm. a fear of um, losing what I've built. Cool. Mm -hmm. I still get to choose how I respond to that. And it doesn't get to run the show. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. That this is, this has been awesome. Um, is there any lasting words of wisdom you'd like to leave the listener? I was thinking of the, 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 the most useful phrases. I have a few things that I've said a lot over the years, and mm -hmm. you can always tell the good ones because the people, cause people get a little mad at you over them. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I found out a long time ago that some of my clients knew each other and they had a hashtag for when they were talking about the work we were doing, mm -hmm. and it was hashtag fuck you, James. <laughs> um, and at first that hurt my feelings um, because I'm a baby, but it really what that was was it was it was the things that we would hit on that really hit hard and and made made a difference mm -hmm. to them but in the context of all this that we're talking about i think the most useful thing anybody can do is incorporate the phrase thanks for sharing mm. into everything they do when your mind says when you're in line at the grocery store and the mind says oh my god why are they going so slow this is ridiculous i'm tired and this idiot is using coupons and you just say, hey, thanks for sharing. I'm going to go back to doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, another red light. Why can't they time the red lights right in this town? This is ridiculous. I pay taxes, and I'm stuck at a... Hey, thanks for sharing. And go back. I do that with my opinions. I do that with um, what my when my mind wants something that's unhealthy for me. It's, it's So you're not repressing it. You're not arguing with it. By arguing with it, you're, you're, you're keeping it present. Mm -hmm. And just simply saying, thanks for sharing. And so when the mind says gloom and doom and all the worst things are coming your way, hey, thanks for sharing. I'm going to go on doing my thing. Um, when the mind's telling you negative things about yourself, you suck and you're stupid, hey, thanks for sharing. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to doing what I'm doing. It really brings us into a place where we, I think it kind of puts the mind in its proper context of throwing out ideas, but we don't have to accept them all. So that's, uh, as I think about those phrases, that was one of the ones that came to mind most readily so yeah well, that's great well well i really appreciate you and your wisdom and all that you've helped me along my journey uh, i think everything all all that you've done and and said has been uh huge for me so i appreciate your friendship i appreciate i've appreciated getting to walk that path with you yeah awesome